0: And that's really where my army training came in. First and foremost, if you want to do this, it's you have to like humans and you have to understand what motivates them and, and what they're trying to accomplish.
1: And welcome to the Craft Podcast. I'm Veronica, and I'm here with my co-host John.
2: And I'm John, and uh, we are joined today by our guest, Mike Field, Portfolio Manager, Bank of America Private Bank. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me
0: here. Nice to meet you too, Veronica.
2: Yeah, awesome. Where are you calling from?
0: So I'm uh, currently—I almost said stationed, but uh, give away my army background. But I'm—I'm in St. Louis, Missouri.
2: The first question we always ask our guests is, what is your craft? So I am
0: a portfolio manager, which means I manage investments for high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals, families, and relationships.
2: Can you talk a bit about how that is there? I remember when I was in my MBA program, you know, there was essentially like three things that uh, typical MBAs go for in finance. You know, One was like investment banking. One was equity research and one was private wealth management. Can you tell me how portfolio management differs from that?
0: So I'm part of private wealth management. I'm, I'm uh, the investment part of it. So I, I work within a team. Here at the private bank, we, we use like a team approach. So all I focus on is, is investment management. I'm not necessarily like chasing down new prospects. I definitely help with the process, but I'm also... Uh, you know, not doing the day-to-day banking activities that, that come along with a lot of these clients. I'm not worried about their credit cards or their savings accounts and checking accounts or their mortgages. We kind of do like a holistic relationship with the client. So we wrap a team around them. We have a trust officer who helps them with the planning and things like that, helps administrate if they have a trust, administrates that, helps them manage that, you know, deals a lot with the with laws and things like that. But I focus solely on investment management. I I just worry about the investments in their portfolio and that's all I worry about.
1: And can I ask, I know we're gonna dig in more about your craft, but uh, is this what you wanted to be when you grew up? Were you dreaming (laughs) of joining investment management? How did you get into this?
0: So this is a long story. we have got time. And I'll go way back. I'll go way back to when I was a teenager out of high school. Um, I went to college and my grandfather paid for college and I, I didn't go to a great school. I just started out at community college because I had no idea what I was doing. None, Nobody in my family ever went to college. We didn't know what college was really, but I, I started going to college. This was like late 1989 and I did terrible. I was, it was horrible. It was a, it was a disaster. Um, and I, and I had, a, I carried a lot of guilt, you know, for a lot of years because my grandfather paid for this and I pretty much just like, you know, kind of, I don't know what the word is, like took a piss on him basically. <laughs> and, I, and I felt bad, you know, cause I really respected my grandfather. I, I knew I wanted to do something in finance. And, and a lot of that was because of my grandfather. He kind of taught me about stocks when I was a little kid and, you know, he owned a lumber company and he sold it around the same time when I was starting to go to college. And it was really interesting how you know, he he sat down with the bankers, and they were trying to figure out if he should take a lump sum or a series of payouts with some balloon payments, you know, to buy out his shares when he was retiring. And it was really fascinating and interesting. And I wanted to do something in finance, what exactly I, I didn't know. So I worked construction for a little while after my, my college disaster. And it didn't take me long to master that craft. Um, you know, I was putting in ceilings. And I wanted to go back to school. I didn't want my grandfather to pay for it. So here comes the Army, right? I, I joined the Army. I was going to do four years in the Army, get out, get my money for college, go to school, and you know, go into finance doing what exactly I wasn't sure. so I did my uh, I did about three years in the Army. Turns out I was really good at it. I really enjoyed it. Um, truth be told, if I could maintain my twenty something year old body forever, I probably wouldn't be in finance now. I'd probably would have stayed in the Army forever, but you know after a, 10 years in the army, you start to rack up some injuries. I had a pretty good one. The, the other thing too, that kind of brought me back to finance was a great financial crisis. You know, you, you get a lot of mentors. Like I consider John a mentor, actually. I, I know him from the army. If you guys didn't catch onto that yet, you know, a lot of my mentors were retiring from the military and they couldn't get a job at Walmart, you know, and they're like, I talked to them. and they're like, hey, Mike, you need to go to school because there's nothing out here if you don't go to school. So, so I started pecking away at it. Um, I finished my bachelor's degree in 2012 while in the military. And uh, I was kind of looking around after that. And I knew John was going to NYU at the time. And I I called him. I'm like, hey, I, I have, you know, I have four, four and a half years left in the military, whatever it was at the time. What should I do? You know, I'm interested in finance. Um, what should I do to, you know, I got this time. Um, And he said, well, he's like, you should go for this thing called the CFA. (laughs) And I'm like, well, what's that? I don't know what that is. Never heard of that before. And He's like, well, the best way to explain it to an army guy is it's the ranger tab of finance. He's like, if you get that, he's like automatic street cred, everybody will know that you're legitimate. They, They won't question you, you know, if you know what you're doing they'll know that you know what you're doing. If you're in the army, that's kind of what the Ranger tab means. You can see somebody with Ranger tab, and like, oh, they know what they're doing. You can send them out off, you know, into the woods and they'll be okay. Um, so that kind of set me off in that journey. So that's what I did. I did a I did a master's program at Creighton University. I, ha- I had to find an online program because I was in the woods of Germany. I couldn't go to NYU. Um, I-, I thought the master's program would be important. It's It wasn't important though. Um, nobody cared about the you know, I could have got an MBA. Nobody cared. The CFA was the thing that set me apart from everything else. So that started me on the CFA program. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate that I was able to pass all three levels at the first time. That's not easy to do. Um, But I, before I got out of the military, I was able to pass all three levels. And so I came out of the military with, you know, I didn't have the experience, but I could say I passed all the exams. So that really kind of got me to where I am today. Told you, it was a long story.
2: So, February of this year, the pass rate Mm -hmm. for level level one was forty four percent. Yeah, and then level two is fifty five, and level three is fifty six. Now, even that, even though that seems like a low uh, kind of passing rate, it's actually even harder because the people you're competing against—they've done it two
0: or three times.
2: They're taking, yeah. Like, so I think honestly, I don't even know how many times I failed. I think I seriously might have failed like three times and (laughs) I gave up. And by the way you don't just like fail. Mm-hmm. Like this is thousands yeah. of dollars, right? You, you pay thousands of dollars to get the, the, the books. Like I, I paid thousands of dollars for a training, like in New York from like some Wall Street firm who trained people on this. Yeah. I had to study like, seriously, like hundreds of hours. I think I've put more effort into this thing that I never even got. Uh, mm-hmm. So, okay. So <laughs> take that as an example. And then um, like Veronica knows, we, I hire, we, we hire a lot of veterans at Amazon, we hired 10 in a row, which is amazing. And whether it's through the program we hired them through or any other kind of military recruiting program I've been involved in the last like decade plus, no one has even had CFA level one. So like, yeah. that's why when you told me you got it, I was like, there's no statistic for this, but you literally could be one of 10 people. Because it's just so rare. It's tough, of a thing that, it's tough. It's tough and most people don't even know about it or, or even have like the, the, the motivation to, to go get it.
1: And maybe this is just a huge can of worms. What makes this thing so hard?
2: No, they, they give you a stack of books
0: that's literally thousands of pages. And it's, it's, not, it's not easy work. It's not like, it's not undergraduate level. It's graduate level work, most, a lot of it, not everything. But it's very complicated, and they ask the questions. Uh, I don't want to say deceitful, but they, they ask the questions in a way that it, it's very easy to get the wrong answer if you don't really know the material. It, it's very easy to, to get the wrong answer. Um, it, and like level one, it's multiple choice. There's
1: some like trap.
0: Yeah. In there. Level one's multiple choice, which may, makes it even more amazing that, all, you know, like 50% pass rate, it, it, there's only three choices. And still only that many people pass. That's how, that's how tough these exams are. But like Jonathan said, there, there's a lot of people that have done them, you know, two, three times and nobody going into the CFA exam has uh, an average IQ. It, I would say it's people that try to take this on, they, they tend to have at least one standard deviation above the norm IQ. It, it's just not easy. It's just a very difficult process. And I used to have a blog and, um, And this is one of the ways that helped me get through the CFA exam. I wanted a a blog for two reasons. One, just to kind of hold myself accountable while I was doing the CFA program. And I have a funny story about the blog, by the way. One, to hold myself accountable. And two, it, um, it just kind of would broadcast to future employers like, Hey, look! I'm doing this. This is this is my journey. You know, <laughs> I kind of left a lot of breadcrumbs. Like, this is what I've been doing for the last three years before I got out of the military. So, kind of two purposes there. Um, so, I'll, I'll tell you my funny story about the the blog, and it was kind of scary actually. So, after the after the military, after I got the employment, I, I stopped doing anything with the blog because I wasn't even sure if I was allowed to with Bank of America. I'm pretty sure I'm not. Um, that's not a good idea when you're. You know, they don't want you to do stuff outside of Bank of America. Um, so I just kind of let it sit there. And then one day it came up like, hey, do you want to renew your domain name? And I won't give it to you. And I'm like, no, I don't want to renew my domain. You know, why would I want to pay money for this blog? I don't do anything with it anymore. That was a big mistake. So my blog was actually, it wasn't like hugely popular, but it would get, you know, depending on the, the month, um, but on average, it would get five to 700 people a month, you know, looking at it which is quite a few people and when you give up a domain name you know people can see that there's traffic going to it and somebody bought it and they turned it into a porn site and oh no yes and so i had i was i was panicked um because i have hundreds of resumes out there with this blog address on there <laughs> oh. and and bank of america and i still have this this web address on my profile with bank of America and I can't figure out how to get it off. There's apparently no way. Cause when they first hire you, they take your resume and just put all your, all your stuff on this profile and there's this web address and I was scared to death that, you know, luckily they're not using it anymore because I'm pretty sure like the people that would go visit my website, weren't looking for porn. Um, you know, they were looking for CFA stuff, <laughs> you know, financial. But, so yeah. Good So Go ahead.
1: like a double on or anything that you thought would have no. been even remotely. No, not even. Okay. No, wow. I
0: was. I was. It, I was. I was stunned. It, it didn't make any sense. The only reason they grabbed it was because it got traffic. <laughs> and. Um, sure. Yeah, big, big lesson. So if you ever have a website, just go ahead and keep it forever even if you don't put anything on it, you can let it die, but just keep buying the domain name. You don't want, you don't want to end up like I was, I was scared to death. Like somebody was going to click on that. I don't work computer at that, you know, <laughs> but luckily, luckily it's dead now, completely dead. So we're good now.
2: Yeah. Let's talk about investment management sure. uh, or portfolio management. Cause I'm really interested in that topic as well. So my question to you is this, what is your personal philosophy on this topic. I'll give you an example. Some people say only do Vanguard index funds, mm-hmm. passive investment only. Like what, what do you do personally? And what do you recommend to, let's say your family?
0: Okay. Um, so for my clients, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I want. The client has <laughs> money's kind of like religion or politics, you know, I deal with high net worth clients. So it's not like they know nothing about You know, markets most of the time. They usually have some pretty strong opinions. They often have a portfolio already, and I kind of have to work with what they have. Um, You know, because of things like capital gains and and different things like that. So it matters what I think, but but what they have really drives a lot of the investment decisions. If I was advising family, Vanguard funds are great. You know, BlackRock funds are great too these ETFs, these index funds, they're great uh, invention, good vehicle, better than mutual funds for, for most people. You know, you can put money in there and you don't have to worry about it. And there's, uh, they don't have tax consequences like mutual funds do a lot of times and stuff. So it's a perfect vehicle for somebody that's not wanting to do a lot of work under the surface, so to speak. So it, it just depends on what who the person is. Some people you know, they're they're a lot more interested in it. They want to get a lot more in depth and get a little more granular with things. So it just depends on the individual, John. There's there's no one size fits all for this. Everybody's a little bit different. You know, uh, your portfolio is going to be different from Veronica's. And if I had you guys as
2: clients, you guys would be managed totally differently. It's funny because, you know, when we were in the military, we had something called a thrift savings plan. Yes. And uh, I didn't realize it, but, you know, we, we put in, like, X percent of our paycheck into it, our meager paychecks from the military. Mm-hmm. But over the course of, like, 10, 15 years, that sucker grows. <laughs> and, you know, it sounds so corny. Yes. But, uh, you know, time really matters, right? Compound interest for for, for, for money. So it does. I've basically mm-hmm. passive invested my whole life mm-hmm. up until maybe, like, two years ago when I, you know, got a little itch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it back. It kind of started like right before COVID. And I said, you know what? You know, um, or sorry, prior, a year prior to COVID, I said, you know, I'll invest like five stocks a year. And, you know, I, you know, I, I invest in things I know. So it was like tech and high growth. And well, guess what? That just did well over the last right. like, five years. And then COVID happened yes. and mm-hmm. uh, whether I got lucky or my intuition was, you know, when there was a huge drop in S P and 500, I just bought a bunch of other like tech stocks or like Netflix and Disney. And after like two months, yeah. they went gangbusters. Yeah. But then I started to uh, just sell yeah. them because, you know, I didn't have the long-term mindset. Um, and that is what really screwed me in the last 12 months mm-hmm. because I was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah, I, I could try to make a quick buck in, you know, like a few months because Things were not normal. That the volatility was too high in the last 12 months, and I think that's what's really happening. That's that's what's really right. like screwing up like young men essentially, because young men love to gamble. They're, they have a higher propensity to gamble. Then you have Robin. They have Hood, and I heard 50% yes. of Robinhood's revenues yes. from options trading. So like, it just it's just crazy. <laughs> so now yeah. I yeah, I decided will. to stop myself. I'm <laughs> going to get a mortgage. I'm going to get a mortgage so I I don't. Go do okay. some degenerate gambling and some other crazy stock. And, uh, anyways, that's my that's my financial plan for myself now. So,
0: so passive investing is probably a good option for you. You, you have, <laughs> well, I mean, you you have a. So this is what I work with with a lot of clients too. And, and you're not unlike uh, you know a lot of clients I have here in St. Louis. You're you're out in California. And what we what we see, you know, across the private bank is clients on the West Coast have a a proclivity towards tech stocks. They invest in tech, 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 tech. Clients in the Midwest, you know, where I'm at in St. Louis, have a lot of industrial stocks. You know, Emerson's, uh, all, all these big industrial companies here in the Midwest, the Caterpillar deer you know that they, they can't get enough of that stuff because that's what because that's what they know and understand that's what's you know that's what they see that's what they that's where daddy worked. that's where you know that's what they know and understand so it, you have that bias too just from being out in california and you know your current employment and where you've worked before that's what you know and understand which isn't necessarily a bad way to invest but it, it definitely creates a lopsided portfolio so i wouldn't say don't dabble in that but I, don't put all your eggs in that technology basket. I, I would definitely stick with passive investing as like your, you know, your, your base. And then, you know, if if you're interested in it, you're interested in it. There's nothing wrong with you know dabbling a little bit outside of that. I'll, I'll give you an example. So I have one client that came to us. They invested four thousand dollars in Microsoft in 1987. Okay, um, they sold some of it over the years. You know put kids through college and things like that. And they still ended up with about $4 million. That's, that's long-term investing. Right. (laughs) But that's a dangerous portfolio. Um, You know, I I don't think anything's going to happen to Microsoft, but if you would have talked to me three years ago, I would have thought Boeing was a great investment too. Um, Obviously there was a problem at Boeing. Um, You know, things happen with these one company thing. So we had to manage that. We didn't, you know, Basically, he had it for for free. You know, it's all capital gains, like ninety nine point nine percent of it. So what we did was we put it in an exchange fund. Um, so what an exchange fund is is they take they take individuals like him who have these huge positions, they pool the money in a in a fund, they borrow money against it and invest twenty uh, percent of the value of the portfolio in real estate, so they can use the ten thirty one tax exchange rules. And now he has a portfolio that looks like the S&P 500 with a little bit of real estate. So that's that's how we got around that. So, you know, that's one of the things I like about the private bank is we have access to some pretty cool investment vehicles to help. And like I said, what I do is I help people. You know, he had all this stock in Microsoft. And when you have that much Microsoft, if it moves 4% one way or the other, that can be painful or, or very happy. So he was kind of tired of the roller coaster. So. Big tangent,
1: right? No, no, no. Great tangent. So there was something you were saying before when you said, you know, money is like religion. Money is like <laughs> politics. Yeah. And money is really individual. You mm-hmm. know, John's plan is going to be different than mine, and it's also super personal. It is. I wonder how how much do you feel you're sort of an intimate part of your clients' lives, kind of like a consigliere. Yeah. Some, um, anyway.
0: Some more than others. Uh, quite honestly, I have. I have some clients I've never even spoken to. There's a few, and they just don't want to talk. Um, I write them a nice letter and I send it to them, and then they they'll sign whatever I need them to sign and send it back. Um, I've spoken to th- this particular one I'm thinking of. I've spoken to her daughters, and you know I ask them about it, and they're like they just laughed. They're like, oh, that's just how she is. She's she's never going to talk to you. You know she doesn't want to. But okay, <laughs> you know you got you got like twenty million dollars over here. Even maybe. Pick up the phone. I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's very personal for him. You know, when I first came in, I had I had the academic background, and, and one of my first lessons was I, I work with this this guy. He was he was really my mentor at the private bank, and uh, you know, he gave me this project. He's like, "Look at this portfolio. Tell me what you would do. What, what do you think we should do with it?" So you know, I took the portfolio. I put it on a spreadsheet. I ran correlations. I did all kinds of math. I improved it. I looked at capital gain. I did all, you know, everything that you're supposed to do A through Z. And I came to him with this big old thing. And um, I'm like, here's what we should do. I got capital gains down to this much. It's, it's not much, but it improves the, you know, the, the risk of the portfolio, reduces it by, you know, whatever it was, it was like 50% or something. And he's like, oh, this is great. He's like, except the client's 92 years old and she's only got a few months to live. Do you really think we should, you know, start moving things around you? How much stress do you think that's going to put on her? Um, You know, she's going to get a step up in cost basis. I'm like, Oh, they don't only talk about that, the CFA, you know, the human part of it. (laughs) And and that's really where my army training came in. First and foremost, if you want to do this, it's, you have to like humans and you have to understand what motivates them and, and what they're trying to accomplish. So yeah, some good lessons there. At the early start of my career
1: well and do you see yourself i feel like some things we talk about in addition to the craft itself is kind of career journeys and career development and do you see yourself doing this for the long haul is this yeah is, is this so satisfying it
0: is it's in um yeah it, i do something different every day and every client's different um you know some of them are more fun than others obviously but that's that's with anything but no i, I really like it it's very challenging I know one of the questions you're going to ask me, but um, the answer is you're never going to master this. You know, it's, there's never one correct, 100% right answer because it might be good today, but it might change in, in six months, depending on client circumstances or, you know, how the client feels about things or what the circumstances in the economy are, or what, what laws might be changing. You know, there's just, it's, you're on shifting sand and there's just a thousand things coming your direction. So it's exciting. It's challenging. It's uh, it's very rewarding, but yeah, I, I love it.
2: What's funny mm-hmm. was today, someone, today someone um, reached out to me at Facebook and they just wanted some like advice. Um, actually uh, it was like a former UCI student who's working at Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like a 20 minute conversation. I have no idea what impact I could have given him. Maybe it's like, you know neutral or nothing or maybe you know minor positive impact but you never know like even one sentence or a paragraph yeah. can really um change someone because my because my point is you made it seem like i helped you a lot but I, I think i just sent this and maybe like a few other like notes but nothing like this is the link you go to this is how you read. like i didn't do any of that i think you took you, you took the idea and you just ran with it i
0: did um but you you definitely set me on this course um this is all your fault oh no, this but, is good thank I, you for it <laughs> i
2: still i it was, still uh, sometimes i'm just like you know what uh if i like retire and I have nothing to do i'm gonna go get it yeah like i just because I, I actually i I'm, I'm genuinely interested in it even though i know it's academic i just i want to get it
0: yeah so funny story i i actually just got the certificate the cfa like in the mail yesterday and because you well, when I took the exams, you needed four years of experience and silly me for not checking with the, you know, checking with the website all the time. I set like a little thing on my calendar, like, Hey, here's when you can apply, you know, cause this is when you get your four years experience. They changed it to three years experience. So here I am, you know, dummy, not checking up on things. <laughs> I could have got it a year ago, but um, yeah, but I have it now. So I just needed the experience
2: you know, what is the minimum net worth required to join any like private bank? Mm -hmm. Um, What are the categories, you know, because you mentioned high net worth, ultra high net worth, maybe different banks have different definitions, but what what have you seen?
0: Uh, So I can tell you what we look for. Um, So typically we want a client with $3 million or more in assets. Um, But we we do make exceptions. Um, You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take, if there's potential for the client to get to that in a certain amount of time, because a lot of times there's a client who might be selling a business. They might not have much in liquid assets now, but they own a business that they might sell for, you know, millions of dollars in the next couple of years or something like that. Or maybe they're an executive or, or somebody's going to retire and they're going to roll their 401k over. And they, you know, they might have millions of dollars in that, but there are some exceptions, (laughs) but typically we want, we want to see $3 million in assets at the private bank. But, um, I have clients that my smallest client is uh, it's an estate, and it's it's worth one hundred thirty-five dollars. And my largest client is uh, it's a large trust, and it's about eighty-eight million dollars. And I have uh, fifty-four relationships, and I and I manage uh, about three hundred seventy-five million dollars. So you know everything in between there. The the small one hundred thirty-five dollars. I'm sure I'm sure you're curious about that. So it's, it's an estate, somebody passed away. They had a, they had a bond with General Motors. General Motors went bankrupt and we couldn't close the account. We had to hold this on our system until the last judge hit the gavel and said, this is what it's worth. This is what they're, you know, so it's just, it was just kind of a legal thing where we're kind of holding on to this until whatever is going to be paid out is going to be paid out from all the bankruptcy proceedings from, you know, more than 10 years ago now at this point
2: you know, I've got people paying me on LinkedIn all the time mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, uh, private wealth management, even though I don't, they just think because I worked at Amazon and, and Facebook, I must be rich. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm just probably just like above average. But one thing I did notice once I started my job at Facebook, one thing that Facebook, frankly, does super well with benefits is that uh, you know, you get your standard stuff, 401k, mm-hmm. like paternally, et cetera, et cetera. Those are, those are great. I appreciate all those. But the thing I like the most, which has the lowest dollar amount value is you can get accounting services from like Deloitte, not like, nice. um, you know, like a mom and pop shop. Right. Um, you could get uh, legal services. There's like a range of options, depending on what you pick. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can get a financial advisor.
0: Nice.
2: So the thing is, I, I kind of treat this kind of like um, personal training because I always say, you know what? I'm not going to get a personal trainer, but then I'm still fat, <laughs> right? So like, look who's the talking. thing is, <laughs> so people people, people just kind of know, like you got to pay like experts, not every, you don't need every expert, mm-hmm. but when, when it's actually available to you and you get to use it, I'm like, wow, like I'm learning so much. I yeah. got benefit so much. I'm trying to buy a house mm-hmm. and now I received a, a, a zip with 40 files. I don't know what's going on. So I'm going to call uh, this this lawyer tomorrow. I'm going to ask him or her to go read it and tell me what to do. Right. Um, Like if I had to read it myself, I would have like a brain aneurysm this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another analogy, a a blast from the past, I'm sure you'll appreciate this, is I feel like when I was in the military, the the goal is that people should basically become like athletes, like athlete slash warrior, um, at least in our branch. And that just wasn't like my thing. I didn't, um, grow up with it. I didn't know the basics of it, but I think what you were really good at is like nutrition and fitness Mm -hmm. because you taught our platoon, like essentially CrossFit. What's fascinating about CrossFit is at the time was like, it's just trying to just do workouts differently. It's not just like a pushups or sit-ups or, or or like weightlifting. It's like, like full body movements and, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So, it's cool. Like anyway, the, the analogy here is like it's it's always cool and like try to leverage as many people in your network with different expertise. Yeah. And hopefully you all have your own craft and expertise coming back to this podcast. And then you can really like expand your circle and your kind of like effectiveness.
0: No, you're you're on the money there. And and one of the things I run into with, you know, prospect, even clients is, you know, they've accumulated all this wealth and they're usually pretty smart people. A lot of them are like doctors and engineers and, you know, they're smart people. They're really smart. And they, they think they're smarter than me, you know? And they might be, but they don't do this every day. You know what I mean? Like they, they would probably not appreciate trying to pass the CFA exam, um, you know? It's difficult. Or they're
1: not in a position in their lives where they're taking a lot of orders. Maybe they're giving a exactly lot. Exactly,
0: that too, that too. You know, and they've accumulated this wealth, so they obviously know what they're doing. Um, you know, and, and so, but what I can do is maybe marginally better, you know, a little more efficient. I can suck some of that risk out of that portfolio for them, um, help them, you know, instead of Mr. Toad's wild ride, it could be more like it's a small world and we can get there, you know, with a little less scariness, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're right. You, you want to, you want to surround yourself with people that know what they're doing, you know, that's, that's, that's critical because, you know, it, it's, it's too easy. If you're smart, it's too easy to say, I can figure this out, but can you really figure it out? You know, do you really know, you know, do you have 10 years of experience? Do you, you know, did you go to school and, and, you know, to be a doctor, you really going to try to figure this out?
1: <laughs> no, I was just thinking about the connection also between health, I don't know, and having a a mechanism for keeping something organized and, and healthy and thinking of Mike, like a, like a therapist.
0: And trainer. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm in, I'm in the worst shape I've ever been. It's like horrible. It like my wife knows me better than anybody. And so she's, I, I retired from the military, um, you know, whatever it was for, 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 and some change years ago, but she's like, you're rebelling, you know, cause you have to stay healthy. You have to stay in shape in the military, but yeah, I, I retired from the military. I've gained like thirty pounds, and uh, I literally I did five push-ups uh, the other day. Just I'm like, you know, I haven't done a push-up in years, years. <laughs> so I did five just to see what it felt like. They were pretty easy. I'm I'm not dead yet, so that was good. But I need to start. I need to start working on that again at some point because it's getting a little bit ridiculous.
2: Yeah, go, go get a tonal. I heard that might be good. Yeah, I gained I gained 20. So uh, and I think I'm, I'm essentially preventing the number from going higher, but going lower has been hard. Yeah, you know, my, my thing has been like sign up for crazy events um i I did like the baton death march a couple years ago nice i did the uh which i should have done in the military but i didn't never did it yeah i i don't know if you remember but i don't know i didn't know really how to swim or bike but i signed i signed up for like a triathlon triathlon. yeah how did that go i learned learned how to do it yeah that was great and yeah it's really just like before i used to think like okay i need to go like lower right just like the number has to be like your weight has to be lower now i'm like okay lower is good but just even maintaining is like yeah. hard too yeah because if you do nothing at all the number will just keep going up yeah and then um
1: can i go even further on this tangent yeah i've just been thinking to myself do you hear people talking lately about intermittent fasting as sort of like a new fitness craze or a dieting craze yeah and i'm i'm totally bought in on I've, I've downloaded my little app, whatever, but it makes me laugh because it's really just, Hey, there's a brand new dieting craze. You won't <laughs> believe it. Guess what? It's called intermittent fasting, also known as not eating, just yeah. not eating for a long time. <laughs> um, it's like an exercise craze called go running anyway.
0: Yeah, no, I have. And, and there's actually a lot of, a lot of good science behind that. Cause it, as John knows, I, yeah. I, I practically earned a master's degree in nutrition while I was in Afghanistan. I, I did a lot of sitting in a room with, without a lot of activity, like I'd have hours sometimes. And I would read, I remember reading a 40 page research article on salt intake, but anyways, but intermitting fa- the, the real benefit of intermitting fasting is that they think it helps cut down on things like, uh, you know, disease and it helps with longevity and, and things like that, that there was, a, there was a lot of studies on like rats and stuff. And they, they Rats that are starving live a very long time, a very long miserable life. Um, Rats that are overfed live a very happy short life. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta find that balance. (laughs) You don't want to starve and be miserable, but um, you know, there are some benefits to longevity and, and cutting down on some disease.
1: Wow. When John said you were essentially teaching nutrition to the platoon, I didn't realize this was such a serious, serious outlet. You're just a doer, aren't you?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that was kind of my job. So uh, go back to the Army a little bit. When, when I got that injury, um, I don't know if John remembers, but I was wearing, I, I was basically in a cast for like, I don't know, six months. And I, I couldn't hardly do anything and I was in terrible shape. Like I, I would go up a flight of stairs and I'd be totally winded. It was ridiculous. I was bedridden for like two months after they did the surgery. It, it was horrible. I uh, I honestly kind of wish they would have just cut my leg off, you know, <laughs> above the ankle at some point. I'm glad they didn't. I mean, it worked out well. But um, you know, they were they were they wanted to basically kick me out of the military. They're like, Yeah, you can't do your job, this thing. But I went through you know i did everything they told me i did all the physical training and i did it really seriously and the doctor who worked on me i'll never forget him his name was uh, major blumen and he usually worked with with the special forces group there at, at fort lewis but he told me he's like look he's like you're not going to be able to run like you used to he's like your, your combat arms if you want to you know be able to keep up with these guys he's like you need to start doing this thing called CrossFit. He's like, that'll help you because you can get in good shape and you don't have to run like, you know, five miles a day, like normal army. And so I did, I I went and got, you know, level one certified for CrossFit. I did the CrossFit nutrition course. Um, Yeah. And I I would beat John up with, with CrossFit from time to time. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's how I got back in the game and it got me really healthy. And um, I was in really good shape, you know, when we came back from Afghanistan in 2010 uh, that's when I really recovered from my injury. Um, I knew it wasn't going to last forever though. So I, I, that's why I started studying finance and did the CFA program like I did. But yeah.
2: The, the reason I like the story is because one thing you've brought to our show or our podcast that I haven't really seen from other guests is that you've, essentially you, 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 you've mastered multiple crafts. And I think you did it because you are obsessive, um, which is a good thing. Yeah. And like you just like when you want to do something, you're just like, like into it, right? Physical or mental. And I'm gonna just paste something in your chat. You'll find very funny because only 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 you will find this funny. Okay. (laughs) So this is when this is when I this is when I raised money for my esports team, and you were like, "Hey, I found your SEC (laughs) filing." I I remember. Who does that? (laughs) Who? who reads sec filings like you know like it's, it's crazy that you even found it
1: gosh I remember graduating from college and sort of asking people whose careers I admired how on earth they got where they were and they would always give me some answer that was like well I was a crab fisherman for a few years and then I danced ballet and now I work in Nickelodeon and I'm like oh my god oh, how on earth do you Recreate that path, but when someone has done a lot of different kinds of things or mastered a lot of different kinds of stuff, I always wonder: like, is there, do you think there's a through line, or do you see any connections between the different kinds or unexpected connections between the different crafts?
0: There are, uh, like I, I said before, that probably the most unexpected thing about you know my movement into portfolio management is that you have to understand people, you, you just you can't be afraid to talk to people. You have to be able to ask hard questions. You have to be able to have difficult conversations, you know, because sometimes people are spending more money than they they should. And that's a difficult conversation because, like you guys already know, money is a very personal thing. We, you know, we've already talked about that. Um, so you have to be able to do that. And and that's what I that's a lot of what the army was all about, being a non-commissioned officer in the military, is you got to sit somebody down and say, look you're doing this all wrong you know <laughs> Let, let's fix it here's 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 what you need to do let's let's, let's work through this and it, you know so it's it's a lot of the same thing in portfolio management and i didn't know that when i was studying it was all math and, and theories and just different things so uh, had nothing to do with real I mean, there was some behavioral finance but they just kind of touched on it you don't really understand the behavioral aspect until you're in the middle of it